Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to Going for Goal, the new women's health podcast that's here to help you make good on your 2020 health goals. I'm your host, Roisin Devishokane, Women's Health Senior Editor. If this is the first time you're tuning in, great to have you with us. Each week on Going for Goal, we guide a member of the women's health community towards their health and wellness goal. If you want a neuroscientist's advice on how to build a fitness regimen you love too much to quit, or learn from qualified doctors how to lose weight without crash dieting, and much, much more, go have a listen to our previous episodes. This episode, we don't have someone calling in with their goal. I'm actually going to be a little bit selfish and look for help with my own goal for 2020. That is, how to become an ethical eater without compromising my nutrition. As events this January have made brutally clear, thinking about how our individual actions impact the planet and the other humans we share it with isn't just a nice or virtuous thing to do. It's essential. But actually how we do this is really bloody confusing. Do you hop aboard the veganuary bandwagon with hundreds of thousands of others? Or when you consider the avocado air miles, is it actually less harmful for the planet to eat food that's grown reared in the UK? It's confusing. So today we're aiming to get some much needed clarity on what ethical eating looks like and to arm you with the knowledge you need to eat in a way that supports the planet's health and your own. I'm very excited to say that here today to cut through the confusion around eating ethically is one of the foremost experts on the topic, Rosie Green, Assistant Professor in Nutrition and Sustainability at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Hello, Rosie. Hello, and well done for getting through my very wordy job title. Oh, no, I love it. I was going to say it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So many, it's a very cool job title. Um, Obviously, this is an area that's really buzzy at the moment. Um, How did you get into it? Why was this something that you wanted to study? Um, Essentially, I trained in health research generally, and I knew I wanted to do a PhD because I wanted to know more about uh, the ways that uh, people's various living circumstances can affect their health. And I ended up doing a PhD that was quite food related. It was to do with uh, a famine that happened in the Second World War on the Channel Islands where people were really starved of food because of the war. And that got me really wow. excited about the the impact that people's nutritional circumstances have on their health all the way through their life. And after I did that, I started looking at 
sustainability and food and did some work on the greenhouse gas emissions that are associated with diets. And basically the aim was to try and figure out whether there are win-win situations where you can improve both your health and the impact that you're having on the planet through making dietary changes. And it's gone from there, basically. That's what I've been doing for about the last eight years. Fantastic. Thank you. For me, I've got a long and complicated relationship with ethical eating. I was raised vegetarian and vegan. Um, I flitted between the two for most of my life. I now eat fish. Um, So I've been brought up with an understanding of these issues. And as a health journalist, um, I'm thinking about nutrition and reading about it all the time. Um, And I find this really confusing. And there's a sense that when you're trying to almost like do the right thing with your food you'll focus on one thing and then only to be told that actually by eating in that way it's causing a problem that you didn't really think about elsewhere and it just feels a bit like an unwinnable game of whack-a-mole why is it so confusing to eat ethically i think you've put your finger on a problem that a lot of people will really feel is true for them as well and it's because We have a really complicated global food system now. So people are making individual decisions, but also there are huge parts of that system that individuals are not in control of. There are large multinational corporations and governments and uh, trade laws that are in control of those other parts of the food system. And we as consumers can only do so much. We can't completely reshape the food system all by ourselves. Having said that, our actions can make a difference. And The way that I like to approach it is to think about positive things that people can do that will improve their diet and improve their health and are also likely to have a positive impact or minimise a negative impact on the planet. Okay, and can you tell me, we've reported on this in Women's Health, I think last year, and I think you were included in that piece, um, and the way that you broke it down that I found really helpful was talking about the three strands of ethical eating. I'm wondering if you could go, you could share that with our listeners? Yeah, so there are there are three main aspects of eating ethically, I think, and that is to think about the impact that you're having on people, people that make our food, animals, the animals that go towards our food, and also the planet as a whole. Mm. So, you know, in terms of, of people, then you want the people that grow food to be able to make a decent living out of it and to be treated fairly. In terms of animals, you want animal welfare standards to be as high as they possibly can be and in terms of the planet as a whole um, you I mean there are greenhouse gas emissions from food food uses water food uses a lot of our land and so there are a whole load of complex considerations to take into account there as well yeah and I think there's something interesting in the relationship between healthy eating culture and ethical eating Um, I think it's fair to say there's a bit of a complicated and sometimes contradictory relationship between the two I'm thinking here of the news that was out earlier this week about almond milk in California um, wiping out billions of honeybees and obviously almond milk is something that quite a lot of people who choose a vegan or a plant-based diet will opt for Is our appetite for these newly popular um, health or wellness foods having a disproportionately damaging impact on the planet? I think it is really difficult and I think people get really disheartened when they read things like that because they're doing they're trying to do something good so they're switching from cow's milk to almond milk because they think that's a good thing to do for their health and a good thing to do for the planet and so to hear things like that is obviously really disheartening for people. I think there will always be those sorts of effects because of the complexity of the system that I was talking about so suddenly when uh, a new industry 
um, grows exponentially because there's a huge new demand for it, that's going to have impacts that were not necessarily foreseen. Mm. We know, we do know that nuts use a lot of water, and that's a really difficult thing because um, nuts are healthy, and yeah. <laughs> scientists are telling us to, to eat more nuts and seeds all the time. But I think. I think balance is really important for these things. So mm. if you're eating a really widely varied diet and you're not concentrating too much on one thing or another, then I think that's a good place to start from. Okay. So there are foods that you would want to really minimise and there are plenty of other plant milks that you can try that are not that are not made from almonds. Which one, sorry, this is a really, I'm phrasing this in a very basic way, but is there an, alt, an alternative milk that is the best in terms of its eco-creds? It's quite difficult. I personally am drinking oat milk at the moment, but I have heard slightly less positive news about oat milk. Oh, no, you're joking. (laughs) Oh, no. What is it? (laughs) Um, A lot of oats are grown in this country, which is great, but um, but they can be not so sustainable in terms of the resources that are being used to produce them. But I think the thing that's important to remember is that it's not just about the food, it's about the production practices. Yeah. And sensible companies and sensible governments will regulate to make sure that the practices that they're using are better for the planet. Mm. And so it's not necessarily the food that's bad. It's, for example, California almonds are being artificially irrigated by loads of water. So it's not necessarily that almonds are bad. It's that they're being grown in huge quantities on, uh, on ground that doesn't really sustain them very well. Yeah. So I think it's important to bear that in mind that you can try and modify the types of food that you're eating a little bit, but it's not that particular foods are are all bad. It's all about moderation and about thinking about where they're coming from. Yeah. And when you say where they're coming from, is that a case of just reading on the packet? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd be paralysed with indecision if you had to go and (laughs) trawl the internet for hours before you went shopping every single time for every every food. But the country of origin is a really good start and and also looking at the season as well. If if you're going out and trying to buy strawberries in January, there's probably a good chance that those strawberries are going to come from quite far away because that's just the way that the growing seasons work. So you can look at the country of origin for for a bit of information on what seems sensible and what doesn't seem sensible. Yeah. And prioritising, I guess, then the times if, I don't know, say if you're making a dessert or something and it involves strawberries, prioritising maybe when you're going to buy something that involves quite a lot of food miles. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, food miles are a difficult issue because sometimes, for example, you might want to get food from Europe because if you get it from the UK, it's going to be grown in a greenhouse and you don't necessarily want to be putting all of that energy Mm. into growing things in greenhouses where they're growing perfectly well uh, outdoors with much less energy put into them and then they can come by train or by boat to this country and it's Mm. and the and the food miles are actually not too bad Um, but I think it's yeah you I think a lot of the time common sense can cover a lot of these things yeah often it's actually more satisfying to eat a bit more seasonally. I've discovered that, you know, I want a lot more soup that's made from root vegetables in the winter because that's quite hearty and I want a lot more fruit that's naturally outside in the summer. So a lot of these things people will find that they quite enjoy maybe if they get a bit more into doing things that way. Because technically in the Western world now we're in a place where you can eat pretty much whatever you want can't you and it can have come in from anywhere so it's kind of almost putting those restrictions back in place and you're saying you actually kind of find that a little bit satisfying yeah I think there are a lot of positive things um, that 
come along with that. It's, you know, positively choosing what you want to eat because actually it will taste better as well because fresh fruit that hasn't come a huge distance and meat that's been reared outside with higher animal welfare standards it does tend to taste better. Mm. So you can you can modify maybe some of the amounts of meat, for example, that you're eating and eat higher quality meat in smaller amounts. And actually, you'll probably enjoy it more anyway. Yeah. And going back to your point about common sense, then, if we strip things back and we look at a diet that's good for planetary health, and then we look at a diet that's good for human health, how much crossover does there tend to be between the two? In our research, we found that there's a a reasonable amount of crossover. So one of the first things that we discovered when we were looking at UK diets is that the average UK diet is not good for people. It's, you know, it's it's a leading cause of disease in this country, is is poor diet. When we looked at, we decided to look at the number of people in the UK that we could find from a national survey that were meeting all of the dietary guidelines they should be eating. So not too much fat, not too much sugar, mm. enough fruit and vegetables. And out of a sample size of about five to 6,000 people, we only found seven people that were actually meeting those guidelines. Wow. And was this a sample that was taken from across the country? Yeah, this is uh, wow. across the nation, yeah. So that was quite surprising to us, the, the extent to which people are actually not getting the nutrition that they need. Yeah. And if people, if more people were to meet those guidelines, we found that actually you'd get about a 17% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions wow. from people's diets, just even without thinking about deliberately reducing them. And you'd also increase life expectancy by about eight months. So that was one of the win-wins wow. we were looking for. And uh, it's, it's a definite situation where improving the health of the diet that you're eating, because it's a lot of it's to do with more fruit and vegetables yeah. and a bit less meat, that will automatically improve your health and will automatically be better for the planet just without even thinking about anything else. And in simple, as simple terms as possible, because I know people, we know that we've heard that eating less meat is good for the planet. Can you sum up why? Yeah, it's a, so meat and dairy and in particular red meat produce a lot more emissions than other foods because partly because they're an inefficient way of eating the nutrients that we need. So all the nutrients have to go through the plants and then they're fed to the animals and then we only eat part of the animals. So it's not a very efficient way of getting energy into a person. Okay. Um, and also because probably a lot of people know about methane from from, yeah. uh, from cows <laughs> and sheep and uh, that's going straight into the atmosphere. And also another really powerful greenhouse gas um, is nitrous oxide, which is produced from manure and from f- also from fertiliser. And so all of those greenhouse gases are coming together to make particularly meat from uh, from animals such as cows and sheep um, a much, much bigger source of greenhouse gas emissions than, than plant-based foods. So without even getting really far into the specifics of a vegan diet, generally across the board, is it fair to say that then reducing your meat and reducing your dairy is a good shout? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, there's um, there's been some recent work um, by some other scientists at work in my field um, that looked at lots of different diet types. Mm. Um, so, you know, pescatarian versus vegetarian versus yeah. um, vegan. And the the diets with the least meat and dairy in them were found to be the ones that had the lowest emissions. And that doesn't even necessarily just apply to vegan versus vegetarian. Mm. They found a diet that was two-thirds vegan 
showed a huge, huge decrease in, in emissions. And also a low food chain diet, which is, I don't know whether it's going to be a fad or not, but it's... Yeah, what's that? <laughs> I've not heard of that before. Um, it's a diet where you eat as far down the food chain as you can, basically. So it doesn't have to be plant-based, but low food chain uh, animals would be things like bivalve mollusks, so, you know, cockles and mussels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and insects are very yep. low down the food yep. chain. So you can get protein from those animal type foods yes and it's not a completely vegan diet but the emissions are really low because those animals are converting the energy much more efficiently than a than an animal that's much higher up the food chain like a cow or a sheep interesting yeah i accidentally had a bite of a it was like it was a cricket protein bar that got sent into the <laughs> that got sent into the office and i think it's one of the most dense things i've ever eaten <laughs> that's so interesting can i ask you about the the planetary health diet can you tell me a bit about what some of the key elements of that are? Yeah, so this was developed by some scientists at Oxford University, among among other places. Um, and they wanted to look at a diet that would keep us within what's called the planetary boundaries, which are um, a number of different areas where they've identified that we're in danger of uh, overcoming the capacity that the planet has to support us. So it's areas like water use and land use and uh, pollution in various areas as well as greenhouse gases so in terms of all of these different boundaries they identified a diet that would help us to not exceed them so to be sustainable um, and you know to to keep living on a planet that's that's uh, supporting us in a healthy way um, and that diet is, is called sometimes called a flexitarian diet as oh, well yeah. or a planetary yeah. health diet it's got a few different names and it's basically not a vegan diet, but it involves eating small amounts of meat and dairy and a lot mm. of fruit and vegetables, limiting sugar um, and that sort of thing. And it's um, it's a diet that there's been some controversy over it, over whether it's applicable to people living all over the world, which I think is fair because in high income countries, our diets are very, very high in, in meat and dairy already and in a lot of other low and middle income countries. They're not eating anywhere near so much. Yeah, that's a really um, good point. And some people are undernourished. And actually, animal source foods is a, re are a really good way of getting calories into people if they're undernourished. So I think different diets should apply to different people, yeah. um, depending on what their nutritional needs are. But I think this idea of a sort of planetary health diet is a really positive one because it shows people that they can have a positive impact and actually that there are a lot of different ways within that diet that you can eat. So you can still eat the things that you enjoy. Mm. You just might want to choose more of some things and a bit less of others. Yeah. And it's not prescriptive. And yes. there's no identity politics or yes. tricky rules tied up with it. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, I want to look at small shifts that people can make in order to become um, a more ethical eater. Um, There are a ton of labels on our foods. Which ones are the most important to pay attention to? Um, I think, again, it comes back to those sort of three domains of of ethical eating. So um, to improve the life conditions of people that are making your food, I think fair trade is still very important because that does help to minimise the problems for example, um, with um, things like quinoa, where people are growing food and they're having to yes. sell it and not get a fair price for it instead of actually eating it themselves. It's it's a bit of a minefield, again, this because it comes back to the, the complex food system that I was talking about. So you can't predict what is going to happen when a food starts to become more valuable because it's dependent on so many different factors such as you know the government that's in place and how well that government protects its people and the different trade uh, arrangements that the different countries have so um, in some cases you it would be nice for some foods to become more valuable because the people growing them then are able to get themselves out of poverty because you know most uh, smallholder farmers are are living in poverty and Mm. you want them to have a fair uh, amount of money for their for the food that they're growing Um, but yeah, in some situations, foods that have become cash crops and very valuable to people have mm. prevented the people that are growing that food from from eating it themselves, which is which is really difficult. But I think I think that's one of those issues where it's really difficult to to take a stand alone as an individual because you can't know all of the consequences that your decisions are having on on people. I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned earlier as well. It's almost I think so much with this issue and I guess just so much in our culture generally at the moment we're so focused in on ourselves like not even in a like really narcissistic vain way that we are we are so important or whatever but we do feel that there's a lot of pressure and our choices are very important which obviously they are but as you said it doesn't live or die on whether you have almond milk or oat milk this morning we don't need to beat ourselves up is that is that fair is that fair assessment I think that's fair I think it's because yeah again you'd be you'd be paralyzed if you tried to make every decision a perfect one all we can do is really try and minimize the damage that we do and try and maximize some positive opportunities for yeah. change that there might be and those are probably different for everyone yeah so sorry I slightly wandered away from the topic of labels but I think labels no are... <laughs> well, I mean so did I <laughs> but I think labels are a really useful way of of people getting some confidence that what they are doing is to the best of their knowledge a, yeah. a positive contribution rather than a negative one so yeah, the other fair trade label is is a good example of that and uh, organic standards such as the soil association yeah um particularly for animal products can be really useful I think because um, an organic label will guarantee a a basic standard of animal welfare that might not be there 
if uh, if you were choosing meat or dairy from from another source. Um, so that's that's a useful one, particularly for animal source foods, I think. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily realise because the information is not out there in an easy to access form. Mm that basic animal welfare standards are not that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're better in the UK than they are in most other countries in the world, but actually they're still the minimum standards are still not great. And so if that's something that is particularly close to your heart in terms of um, ethical eating, but you're not quite ready to be a vegan, <laughs> um, that's a sort of in-between step that I think you can take is to try and maybe eat less meat and less dairy and make sure that the ones you do eat have those higher standards. Yeah. Um, and in terms of choices you can make as an individual, I also think it's really valuable to support small businesses that are doing things that you like. So there are farms in the UK now that are pioneering new methods of livestock farming. So they're keeping the calves with the adult cows instead of taking them away. Mm. And they're you know using fewer antibiotics on their animals and they're... Um, feeding them more on grass and so if you decide to give your money to uh, those sorts of small businesses then that's a really positive thing that you can do that will help those techniques hopefully get adopted more widely in the food system yeah voting with your with your income basically to support kinder methods yeah it's a sort of a flip side of boycotting foods that you think are unethical um, which can be difficult because there are so many. So in, in in a more sort of positive way of thinking about it, choosing to spend more money than you would from a supermarket on mm. cheese that's from an ethical dairy farm might be a, might be a really good way to, to feel that you're doing something positive. For, yeah, it feels so much more well. empowering even just hearing you say that. <laughs> so we've talked about what we can eat um, but it's not just the foods we eat or what we buy when we shop it's kind of all about um, how we do it comes into it what are some of the key things you think that people can do to upgrade like the ethics of their food shop um, I think obviously food waste is a is a huge one as well so try to minimize the amount of food that you're wasting um, and you can there's there are so many ways to that can help you do that now you know you can use recipe apps where you've you put what you've got in your cupboards into into an app and it will tell you what you can make with those foods um, you can buy frozen food that will keep for longer that's that's quite a good way of, of and minimizing And sometimes waste. it's more nutritious. Yes, can be if it's frozen quickly. Yeah. Studies have shown I can't quote <laughs> a specific one. We'll put a specific one in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, that that can also be true. So there there are lots of different ways that you can try and minimise the amount of food you're wasting because we do waste a lot of food, particularly in high-income countries like this one. Yeah. Um, and the more food we waste, the worse the impact on the planet. Um, composting the food that you do waste is a really good one because yeah. um, you really don't want that food waste going into landfill. That's really bad for greenhouse gas emissions. So if you can, if you have, a, you know, if you just have to a, step back, so why is compost going into a landfill? Why is that bad for greenhouse gas emissions? Like, what's the process? So if you put food waste in your normal bin yep. and it gets taken away it will end up in a landfill site and then it won't break down properly because it will be next to a load of inorganic material um, and so rather than going to make soil it will release those gases into the air 
and oh. that's not uh, that's not what you want to be happening really so if you if you put your food waste into compost either if your council collects it from your house or mm. if you can give it to local businesses or you can put it on your own garden that's a really good way to to reduce the impact the environmental impact of what you're doing with food brilliant i think there's something that seems to come into it a lot is this And I guess it's something that we all have to wrestle with as we live such kind of fast on the hoof types of lives is that it does seem to require a little more planning, doesn't it? You're carrying a bit more to work because you've got your coffee cup, you've got your water bottle, you've got your Tupperware of lunch, so you're not buying a disposable plastic container. Um, Any advice almost maybe on adjusting? Yeah, it is an adjustment. And in, in many ways, it's it's going back more to the ways people used to do things when they had to go to four or five different shops to get the weekly shopping in instead of just one. And yeah. they had to think about things much more because there was less ability to store food. But I've so I've been doing this for the last few years and, and moving at a sort of gradual pace in a, mm. in, a, in a slightly different direction. And I think it doesn't have to be all the time. You can do what you find manageable. But for me, because I I have children and I have a busy job and I travel and I have to negotiate all of those things. For me, if I can do 80% of the time what I would like to be doing, which means planning a bit more and cooking more from scratch and using leftovers, then the other 20% of the time, when I just don't have time because I need to get something on the go or I need to get those boiled eggs or whatever, um, I I let it go because I think, you know, you can't always... (laughs) it's difficult to always be perfect and totally that's such a good point it's like with nutrition generally if you try and eat perfectly you know that has really bad consequences because you can't you can get obsessive about it and you can't eat perfectly and I guess just as you can't eat perfectly nutritionally speaking you can't eat perfect or live perfectly from a sustainability perspective yeah I think it's 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 all a sliding scale I think there does need to be a big change in the way that we eat, but a big change starts with a small change and a lot of people making a small change and then it snowballs and then there's a sort of a tipping point where things really start to change. So I think, you know, it's it's fine to start doing it one day a week or two days a week. I often uh, try to be vegan whilst I'm at work and then I cook something that's not vegan at home for instance that sort of yeah, thing where, yeah 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 um, or I know that people tend to do that thing almost that they'll be vegetarian when they're cooking and then they'll go out to eat at the restaurant and then that's when they'll have a steak or whatever or that's when they'll have the meat that they wouldn't normally cook for themselves yeah and I think all of those changes can still make a huge difference because they if you're just one person doing something it is small but if a lot of people do that suddenly the change is is big and that's when the institutions and the industry starts to change as well which is much more powerful yeah brilliant so positive action positive personal (laughs) action without too much going down a rabbit hole and self-blame that's the aim (laughs) (laughs) perfect okay so just to recap then we're talking about these small changes that people can make we've already spoke about eating less meat cutting down on dairy, making conscious choices about where to spend your money in terms of places that have more ethical production or farming processes. Um, what, what else? I think it's good to, to just try and be a bit aware of all the different impacts that food can have and to think more about food 
maybe again in a way that people used to to think about food as as more than just fuel but as something that's to be enjoyed that a lot of people have, ha- have put work into growing and making mm. for you to eat and i think that goes a long way towards maybe cutting down on some of the habits that are a bit more damaging so for example you know we know that fast food is not very good for us but it does give us a really instant kind of good feeling mm. but actually when you stop and have a think a bit more about where that food's coming from and who's made it and you know what what the practices were that were involved in making that food sometimes it doesn't seem so appealing mm, <laughs> anymore yeah yeah so i think there's a lot to be said for slowing down and and yeah. thinking a little bit more where where possible because food is really important and and farmers are really important and uh, without it we're we're in big trouble so i think it's food is something that's worth a bit more thought Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rosie, for coming on Going For Goal. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Pleasure. Um, So that is all from us. As always, please rate the podcast, please leave a review and share with anyone you know who's resolved to kick off this new decade being their absolute best. And remember, on Going For Goal, we are here to help you achieve what you want. So tell us what that is. It couldn't be easier. Just follow us on Instagram if you're not already we're at Women's Health UK and send us a voice note which you can find in the messaging function about what you want to achieve and your goal could be the subject of a future episode bye for now and thanks for listening Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.